Welcome to the Film Rescue Show. We're lending a helping hand to Hollywood in fixing their feature films. I'm joined by my fearless hosts into the unknown of cinema. Uh, I have Jesse with me. Hello. And Hope is here as well. Why, Seth? Why? <laughs> I, I know. It, it do be like that sometimes. Um, I remember this we- movie being a lot better. Yeah, so so let's uh, let's announce our film. We're talking about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, I swore that I would never do another Indiana Jones on this podcast, but uh, it it felt like the right time to to revisit some of this since we haven't had a a chance to since the very early days of the podcast before we ever thought we could make movies or do this for real, and now here we are. So like, I it, it'll be a fun walk down memory lane on that end, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's it's not like the worst made movie. It's just there's a lot no. of things that uh, don't sit right. We'll discuss those. Yeah, it, this this one, this whole series, as I revisit it, is kind of odder than I recall it being, and it, it feels like an adventure to like rediscover Indiana Jones like this. But um, yeah, let's let's discuss Temple of Doom. Um, let's let's go from from. Do you guys remember the first time you saw it? If I asked that question, is that even a question worth asking? I mean, I was a kid. I, yeah. I remember getting very scared watching it because there was the uh, all the horrible bug sequences, the disgusting dinner scene, the, the violence, the pulling the heart out of the chest. Like <laughs> This movie is really, really grim and dark and mean-spirited. Yeah. Yeah, so as a kid, that did not go down well. No, no. I think I still have, in my basement, I think I still have the VHS tape of it somewhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's probably like old and rotted and it wouldn't play well, but I think I still have it somewhere. Maybe that's part of the experience, though. Um, do you, do you, can you recall the first time you saw this movie, Hope? So, I watched Raiders, Raiders and um, Crusade. When I was a kid, that was like again. My uncle was my like intro to movies, but he always left this. He always left Temple of Doom out. Yeah. So I didn't watch it till like probably middle school, like late middle school. And like looking back, I'm like, thank you for not showing me this as a child. <laughs> and I was just like, this is so fucked up. <laughs> like I, like the other ones are just like they're like playful little adventure romps and like okay cool you know like they're cool for both adults and kids and right but I, like i always knew there was three and then i was like well where's where's the middle one and he's like no so like <laughs> and then you like do, later you on have to- you kind of have to respect the the quiet finesse of Gen X to be like, nah, this ain't a trilogy. There's only two of them. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> shame I never made it to that fourth one, man. R- yeah, right. exactly. It's it's crazy how there's only two movies in this four film yeah. series. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's also weird is that this this middle one is supposed to be a prequel. This is a year before Raiders. Yeah. Interesting. I did not know that. You well, didn't know if you, that? If you look at like the tight. Ty- like not the title sequence, but like the intro, it says like Shanghai or something, nineteen like thirty five. Whereas yeah, yeah. um Raiders 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 is a year later because that's the um this the height of the beginning of World War Two. Right, right. So yeah. 
it's interesting. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah, it introduces yeah. all kinds of problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it if it introduces any problems. Oh, does it does. It? I'll get into it. Oh, okay. we we were picking it out left and right. <laughs> yeah. So, something that I kind of enjoy about these kind of movies is that they they kind of assume that you know what kind of storytelling this is. Like the whole opening sequence of this film, there's a um, another half movie that we did not see, you know, walking into oh, God, the end no. of this adventure. And so I, I kind of like that language of like, oh yeah, Indiana Jones is just, he. this is him all the time. Like yeah. the movie assumes that so that it's not, as big of a high stakes adventure in, in that like he, you know that he gets into this all the time. Like he, he's just always in these adventures. That was normal for these types of stories. These serial films, they would have an intro sequence that was not connected to the main storyline just to set the tone. And then it goes into the film proper. Right. Like the, the temple sequence in Raiders is not connected in any way to the Ark of the Covenant. The, right. The, the sequenced Club Obi-Wan in this film is not connected at all to the story of the Shankara Stones. And then the intro of the, was it the uh, Cross of Coronado is not really connected to the main storyline of the the Holy Grail beyond the religious significance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's to set the tone. The only one that screwed it up is, cross my heart, hope to die, the fourth one, (laughs) <laughs> uh, where the intro is directly connected to the main storyline for right. some goddamn reason. <laughs> well, because that's what audiences had come to expect at that point from their from that kind of uh, a, a PG thirteen action adventure had shifted fully that way at that point. It was not Indiana Jones stuff in theaters. So, so they, then it's not Indiana Jones. Uh, I I agree with that statement. <laughs> it doesn't exist. It's not an Indiana Jones film. I agree yes. with that statement. There's there's lots of little Indiana Jones things in there. Like it's really there. I I defend some of the really fun stuff in Crystal there's Skull. There's a lot. There's a lot of cameos. So <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, yeah, opening sequence on this. Like I, do do we know? Did Spielberg do drugs back in the in the eighties? No, it this, was it was all just a platform to give his wife. Uh, just like a, a playground. That's literally all it was. I <laughs> she, love that. I she, just the opulence of this opening sequence is wonderful. She probably was. She honestly was probably just like, "I want to do this. It's been my dream. Let me do it." And he's like, "Fuck it. We got the money." Like, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Honestly, and what a great character to burn a story on too. Like, uh, uh, of all the things you can say about Indiana Jones, the fact that you can just pick two of his movies and and decide that those are the two, like, speaks a lot about the character and what what it's capable of. I kind of like that. They can just you know slap slap something like this together for him. It's it's kind of the function of it. Yeah. Well. The, the thing about the series, it's kind of all over the place because this this middle one was made basically under terrible conditions, you know, unlike the first one. The first one was like bad production problems. Yeah. The second one was bad creative decisions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get into that, but that's that's kind of the reason. Like Even Spielberg and Lucas and Harrison Ford do not like this movie. The three yeah. of them, don't they don't like it. So even Lawrence Kasdan, I think, uh, has distanced himself from this because he was asked to do this one and he wasn't available and oh. so he, he put a lot of distance between himself and this movie because he's like yeah i don't know <laughs> i think that uh I, I i brought this up while we were watching 
the movie. Um, I, I said this to Hope. I said, is George Lucas racist? He's definitely <laughs> that that old school kind of like it rubbed off. Uh, there's a lot of racist stuff in his movies if you go back and look through them. It's also that interview, that very problematic interview he gave regarding Red Tails, which he produced, and then it probably took over, where he said, I think I was ahead of my time making Red Tails, you know, film with an all-black cast. <laughs> uh, dude, there was a whole subgenre back in the 70s. Uh, you don't get out much, do you? Georgie boy. Oh, you, a- you fucking hermit. Just, oh, look at that. Ten minutes in. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I just Yeah, I don't uh, think we have to monetize these episodes. So I'm uh I'm I'm happy to curse early on uh, when, when when necessary around Lucasy. Um the what what do you think of the opening sequence in in this Jesse? In Club Obi-Wan? Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's fun. You know, it's 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 cute. Um it, it, it it's the most James Bond of all these movies. Yeah, that's kind of fun. I kept saying that. I was like None of this is indie. Like this whole movie, he has not once been Indiana Jones. It's he's been Bond. Well, because for the longest time, Spielberg wanted to make a Bond movie, but they wouldn't let him. That's a I, uh, shame. I think honestly, that is a shame. Uh, I, I I I'm of the opinion that there's a certain difference between what a director likes to watch and what they enjoy making. Ooh, true. Because I've noticed that like Paul Thomas Anderson, his taste in movies is pretty bad (laughs) it's pretty poor he's a good director and i really like some of his movies but i just uh, um what a director likes to watch and what they like to create typically are an opposite opposition of each other um I, i think that spielberg thought he wanted to make something like that but it really isn't his style because hmm. if you really look at it comparatively, like with the quality or like the not the quality, uh, the content of these Indiana Jones movies, except for the fourth one, they feel like anomalies in terms yeah. of the t- tone and the schmaltziness that's typically in most of his movies. These these don't have any of it. No, these 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 three first films feel like anomalies. That's probably the reason that he just didn't want to do the fifth one because it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not that guy anymore. So yeah, you, yeah. you take over. Somebody else direct this, please. <laughs> Who was it that's doing the fifth one? James Mangold. Good choice. Thank you. I, yeah, I, right. I, I, ma- I maintain that uh, if that becomes his just his bread and butter as a director, just the finisher, he comes in and just buries heroes in a really, really good way. Like I would be totally fine with that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you know, someone's got to do it. <laughs> he's he's the franchise undertaker. I love it. That's the only thing you can do left with Indiana Jones is just kill him, just get rid of him. It's like it's it's the, the, you can't. First off, I, I I don't think Indiana Jones should be like fifty years old or some shit like that. No, it's gonna be necromancy, and he comes back <laughs> with like age reducing technology. Apparently and- <laughs> that's what it is. That's there's like a thing in the fifth movie where I think this was part of an old canceled script where, as Indiana Jones got closer to this object, he would slowly start to de-age. So they're trying to de-age Harrison Ford. I think in this uh, new movie as he gets that, clo- <laughs> that that feels like necromancy. That's uh, what I'm, I was joking, but shit, I was on yeah, money. <laughs> I, I think it. I think it was the Frank Darabont script, The City of the Gods. Yeah, which eventually became. Uh, was it the, the saucer no, no. men from Mars, Ugh. where he was running around with a little alien named Gubu? 
<laughs> I swear to God, that's real. That is real. No, yeah, that uh, that sounds like some something someone would pitch for Indiana Jones. Fuck Crystal Skull. <laughs> the fact that somebody went to prison for like five years for trying to get details and material on that thing because they pirated the thing. Was it worth it, bro? <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. That guy's probably having the worst time of his life. Oh, boy. Oh, sucks to be that dude. So uh, from from the opening sequence, we move into the plane crash into India, uh, where we kind of spend some some time with our characters, get to know the stakes of the story at hand. Um, I had forgotten how much work uh, Short Round was doing in the background of that whole sequence. He's just oh, like yeah. m- mimicking Indiana Jones throughout. Um, j- just really fun little acting choices that he that he's making in the background. I, I, I was kind of watching because th- I've seen this movie a million times. I was just oh, yeah. watching for background stuff at this point, and and I just that that got called out to me a couple times. I was like, damn, he's he's like you know crossing his hands like Indy. He tries yep. to pace and yep. walk in the same steps that like he tries to change his gait at one point like Indy. Like it's really, it's really really cute. I like what it's like little brother big brother like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think there's the that's the little like highlight of the schmaltziness in the background, Jesse. That's the like the little Spielberg sprinkling. He can't get away from it because he he loves telling stories through kids' point of view. Yeah, I mean, but also this was uh, Ki Hu Kwan's first film as well. Uh, yeah, Go- Goonies will be after this, so he uh, was- he tra- he's been training for forty years for everything ever. <laughs> Good prep. Good prep time. Um, yeah, he was basically imitating Harrison Ford because he didn't really know what else to do. Yeah, no, and it, and it's it's a perfect acting choice for the character. Yeah, it perfectly fits. It perfectly fits. Yeah, he, I, I don't hate short round. Me, there's a guy I work with um, that said this was the worst movie the year it came out, and I'm like, I, that's a little harsh. There's a lot of things I don't like in this movie, but worst movie of what was this? 84? 84, Yeah, I mean, th- there were some. There were some barn burners in '84, though. I think that's why it gets thrown into that that heap. Like, if you weren't an absolute home run in '84, everyone forgot you. Yeah, yeah. This is after the uh, was it '82 when like a bunch of stuff came out all at once, and like the summer blockbuster was the big, big thing. Everyone's trying to recreate that. And yeah, yeah. Th- this this was one of those kind of let down movies. Like, yeah, it's fine, but uh, I felt a little let down and. There's a lot of stuff in the movie that didn't age well, but there's still good stuff in it. It's still a good-looking movie. Yeah. You can't complain about that. It's got an Oscar for Best Visual Effects, and I agree. It's There's some shots that don't age well. Um, <laughs> some, of the, some of the compositing and rear screen projection, not so good, but overall, it's pretty good. I didn't realize for a long time at the minecart chase, most of that is actually a miniature. Yeah, yeah. They're little toys, little dolls that are in those, in those carts. It's actually all a miniature. I, I think of the films, this one has one of the stronger finales. Um, like Ra- Raiders, I, I don't think it tanks, but it goes horror at the end, and I and that's it's such a weird curveball. Yeah, that it doesn't, and Indy doesn't do anything really. Yeah, and so having an action sequence, especially one where like you, the the voodoo doll running thing gets really played up to like ten with the Indiana Jones bit and then like the way they play off of that by having him and short round punching their their opponents like in sequence of each other. Like mm. that's it's a fun action sequence to end this movie. I just I I really love like it it kind of the last half hour it just cranks to ten and sits there. 
Yeah. Oh, Hope just mentioned uh, Dune came out in 84 as well. That was also a big bomb. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Damn. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I would say I, I, I would say Dune is worse than this if I oh, had to pick. No, no question. Um, I I I I think that Last Crusade is probably my favorite finale. That just felt like it had the best. Like that was meant to send the character off into the sunset. Literally, like the yeah. end shot is them riding off into the sunset. That's that's my favorite ending. I I do like that one a little bit more. This one it's it's good. The bridge sequence is good, but I I think Hope and I were talking about this while we were watching. It's like why does this movie feel long? The pacing is so off. Well, because the back end is just three action sequences back to back to back. It's too much. Yeah, we said the same thing. Like the minecart chase. Uh, Hope went to the restroom. We were we were video chatting and watching us while we were doing this. She went to the bathroom, came back, still going on the minecart chase. I, I even made a joke. I was like, you know what? I can go pee because it's still going to be the cart, the the minecart. And then I came back and it was still the minecart. I was like, I fucking knew it. Yeah, it's too. It's too much. It, yeah. it's overindulgence. Because I think that they they. We're riding high on their egos after Raiders. They're like, oh, yeah, we can't fuck up in any way. And then, <laughs> well, well it's, in and Jesse, then, you also pointed out the whole uh, the Spielberg editing with the uh, the rock crusher. Oh, yeah. Like that is the longest fucking conveyor belt in all of human history. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is pretty yeah. funny when that guy gets sucked into it and Indiana's just trying to help him and not get him pulled into the rock crusher. <laughs> that Those little human moments, dude, those are the things that really sell me for a movie because it, it makes sense. It's like, yeah. It's I'm, like, yeah, I'm I hate to... you. I don't, I don't want you to get crushed by a rock crusher. Right, yeah. It's like, I'm fighting you because you're opposed to the thing that I'm trying to do, but I don't want to kill you, dude. Yeah. Right. yeah. Although this this one is the one with the most kills. Oh, yeah. Body I think count. it's, what is it, like 28 people or something like that get directly killed by Indiana Jones, something like yeah. that? Red Letter yeah. Media has a a um, a plinket review of the fourth film, and it goes into the concept of how much Indiana Jones murders people in all Dude, these movies. <laughs> he's an international, like, serial killer, essentially. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah. With the exception of the fourth one where he kills only one person. Yeah, it's family. It's a it's a family movie. It's a family movie. I've I've often noted that Indiana's bloodlusting is like part of what makes him compelling. Like any yeah. other hero would not go be, until you get into like Die Hard, but you're forgiving him because he's a cop. You know, like that's the big reason yeah. we forgive John McClane is because he's a cop. Like if don't do Die Hard with a normal guy, or people are gonna be like, that's a murderer. Well, that's the thing. Like this character is unrealistic. Like a character that punches this many people gets his ass kicked this many times goes to this many countries and doesn't get sick like he's sleeps with this many <laughs> women has like infinite amounts of cash like this character is completely unreal oh yeah oh yeah like, he unless can do you're james bond <laughs> yeah unless you're james bond it's just james bond with a fedora hat that's all it is but functionally that's kind of what you want for this this version of role play which is you want to time travel back to the 1930s and play around in that world with access to everything you know what i mean you just grand theft auto with all the cheats on and that's what Indiana Jones is. It's like telling a compelling story just in the setting of the 1930s. And it just so happens that the the coolest stuff is international globetrotting sex and murder. Yeah. You know, well, I, don't know like, this, I don't know if the stories in these movies are necessarily compelling. They're all basically the same movie. If you really think about it, they all follow the exact same structure. Oh, yeah. But like the, the compelling nature is the fact that you 
like want you want to see what's going to happen next, even though you oh, yeah, know yeah. what the beats are. It's James Bond as well. Like you, you know the beats of a James Bond movie, but you, yeah. they're doing it in a, in a new way, in a new shift, and and that's what you're looking for. Sometimes all it need all you need to make the house look new again is a fresh coat of paint. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and especially on these serial stories. Um, so let's before we get into a, a, the misfortunate part of this film, let's yeah, we'll let's go that. let's go over some of our our personal highlights. Um, Hope, what was what what what's your big standout? What's the if if someone's going to pay for the ticket to watch this, what makes it worth it in your eyes? Good luck. Um, I think Hope is the most angry at this movie. I really am. I really, there's so many things I, I cannot stand about this movie with my adult, <laughs> with my adult lenses. Right. So many things I cannot stand. It, it, if I'm going to pay the ticket price, it's literally, it's going to be, look at Ki Hwan. Like, it, it's, I see it as like a biography of Ki Hwan to, uh, Ki Hwan Hu to like, all right, and now look at him and everything ever all at once. Like, the, look at it as like, uh, like the beginning, the roots of his career, and he, right. And he like went into hiding because he was like, "You can't handle me. You cannot handle me." Twenty twenty two is when you'll finally be able to handle me. <laughs> it's like, it's like if they made a documentary about his life and then needed to fill in a movie for the beginning of his career, and they were like, "Oh yeah, he was in a James or uh, Indiana Jones movie," and this is just what the universe filled in. Yeah, to fill exactly. in that spot. It's like, yeah, this is, okay. It's like an AI interpretation of an Indiana Jones movie. Exactly. It's, it's, because he, he was probably the most endearing character. Honestly, he was also just the most endearing character. Yeah. Um, he had the most emotion. He had the most contributions to the actual missions. Like, he was smart. He was funny. I was like, why is this kid with his first acting role, why is he the the stealer of the show compared to like all these like seasoned people? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So that that I think would be what my my favorite thing of this movie was him. Any scene with him in it because he just he brought a very monotone esque movie to life. Yeah. The poker scene early on when they stop in the jungle, yeah, that, that whole like, oh like yeah, he, he really feels like he's picked up Indiana Jones's swagger and essence, and and starts to like cosplay in it for a minute. I love, I love <laughs> it's that. Scene. So adorable. Unfortunately, this, it's surrounded by the negative of it is, which is Willie Scott being fucking annoying. Oh God, I l- listen. I don't want to overhype my fix, but my Willie Scott fix is just mm, Chef's Kiss. If you're not a fan of this character, yeah. Um, I, I checked on uh, facts for this movie. Willie Scott screams a total number of seventy-two times. That sounds low. That's 70, honestly, that's seventy-one <laughs> times more than I need to hear. Right. Thank God she didn't come back. <laughs> I wonder, like, is that a hard thing to capture at the time? Like, back in the 80s with those mics and stuff, was she just blowing out mics on set? Like, I think she was meant to play, like, the the traditional annoying damsel that's out of the fish out of water thing, but it just comes off as irritating. Yeah, I thought I thought she was, like, a parody of that character, if right. anything. Yeah, you know, like, like, there's no way... That that exists. That feels no, like uh, that feels like a Russell Brand 
character. You know what I mean? Like like an interpretation of an interpretation. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what it's a, it's a farce of the uh, of the uh, interpretation. Yeah. Well, what about you, Jesse? What's your what's your uh, ticket price buy in for this movie? I mean, uh, you you mentioned the look uh, previously. It is a really good looking movie. Yeah, it's it's Douglas Slocum who's the cinematographer. It's still a good looking film. It's well done. Um, it has uh, some great visual effects. There's some good action sequences. Um, it's it, it's definitely different from Raiders. If you want, if you need more Indiana Jones, yeah, you you can clearly do worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know you can do worse. <laughs> unfortunately, um, unfortunately. Um, but in terms of ticket price, I, I think it's a good thing these films aren't necessarily directly connected together. <laughs> <laughs> because if this was the middle chapter, we would have never had like a third one. Because <laughs> if these were like a trilogy that was like interconnected and they were like tied into each other, this this would have been the end right here. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the most damning thing I could really give it outside of the very questionable stuff we're going to get into later. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, ticket price. If you need more Indiana Jones, you could do worse, and that's really the best thing I can say. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think for me the the buy in is like <laughs> it's not Crystal Skull. Um, exactly. That's what I said. You could do worse. Yeah, that's that's kind of my my bit. I like yeah. Short, beyond what you guys have already named, short short round. It's a good looking movie. Um, I mean, it's John Williams, the score. I'm I'm the score guy. So like, how are you going to complain? His oh Jesse just... Jesse kept laughing at me because I kept going da 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 da. da. <laughs> <laughs> like, I kept there... like humming the song, and Jesse's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, his 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 themes are just un unparalleled, and and I, I don't think he's doing anything really totally new here. Um, beyond beyond uh, composition at the beginning, which I think I remember his son, who is in the band Toto, mentioning that he was involved with writing that opening sequence as well. Um, John John Williams' son is in the band uh, Toto. Oh, I I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, That's funny because they yeah. competing movies. The Dune came out this year. Ah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't oh, that isn't God. that funny? Um, yes. Yeah, so. Hey, Dad. Both our movies are bad. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes families fail together, but um, then <laughs> yeah. sometimes families score Star Wars and uh, Africa. So like, it, right? You know, True. <laughs> uh, they they win and lose together. So yeah, I, it, it is it, it is the lesser of the trilogy for sure. Like I. It's very obvious why this one feels like a black eye on the series, but I'm I'm hard pressed to have a bad time looking at a man in khaki in the jungle. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's yeah. l- l- if I'm gonna th- like you say, Jesse, uh, throw on something to watch while I'm folding laundry. This is right up my alley of what I would be putting on. Yeah, yeah, you're totally gonna be invested with Raiders and Last Crusade. You're not really gonna be invested with this one. Yeah, Last Crusade kind of dares you to look away. It's like, no, motherfucker, we got something every five minutes. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There's there's some uh, there's some horror moments in that in that movie, but yeah, uh, it, it's you know, it's still quality. Yeah, yeah. The one you can totally just skip over and not even watch while you're doing your laundry is Crystal Skull. That's the one you can just like pass entirely. Yeah, that's like that's not even that. I will forego the movie if that's the movie on the airplane. 
Yeah, I would just I would rather just take a nap because yeah. it because it's so boring. You just it's it. Also, can I just address this right now? I hate Janusz Kaminski's cinematography. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's Tell us so how you really bright. feel. Tell us how it's you really so feel. It's so bright and overlit. Like all the windows are blown out. Like all was the it, lighting is like golden for some fucking reason. Was that movie presented in three D? No, I don't think it was. No, oh, I think that wow. was just before 3D was taken off. Damn, it feels like something that would have been 3D. You know what I mean? Well, the whole thing looks like a goddamn video game all the time. Of course, it would be great in 3D. True. Well, actually, this came out. Was it just after Avatar? Because Avatar was 2006, wasn't it? No, Avatar, t- we had this discussion before. Avatar was 2009. Oh yeah, so this was this was that that was before uh, Avatar. So yeah, it wasn't before. It was before 3D. So. Yeah, I can totally see them wanting to change it to 3D if they came out around the same time, though, because it looks like it. I just for 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 the reaction that just viscerally, everyone was like, "Yeah, no, we don't we don't like this. Whatever this is, was not for us." Yeah, um, I love how the excuses of well, the bad compositing. It's like it's just like those classic serials. No, this fuck you. It's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that was a technological limit for them back then. That's the difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I see. They did it because they had limitations. You did it because you suck at your jobs. They were reaching the top of their barrel. You're diving for yours. So, like, <laughs> how far can we get? Do we have to scrape rock bottom? Yeah. Speaking of rock bottom, Let let's talk about pickaxe. what. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about what doesn't work in Temple of Doom. Um, Racism. <laughs> Holy God, shit! So I forgot bad. how fucking racist this movie is, dude. Like I said, right from the get-go, I think George Lucas is fucking racist. See, I, and it's the worst kind in that it's so it it feels so absent-minded and accidental and like what's that what's that term? Passively racist. Oh yeah, yeah. Just just like ooh. people that are out of their elements and don't realize what they're doing. Like the whole banquet scene that apparently was meant to be a joke. How? I'm supposed to laugh at this? How? <laughs> what? I, I, I decided, so you thought this was funny, did you? I, I decided on this watch to to try to pull that scene apart by cinematography, and I didn't realize that camera is on the table through most of the scene. So yeah. the, can, the audience POV is as the disgusting things that we're looking at. Like yeah. that's yeah. we're supposed oh, to absorb yeah. information, knowing that we are the creepy crawlies. And yeah. that's, that kind of visual language adds to the fact that it's kind of over the toply racist caricatures, and that uh-huh. that yeah. that's like the one two punch of like, man, I feel like a piece of shit for watching this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like we're in India, we're seeing what Indian people eat. Oh, it's it's cockroaches, it's eels that are in that are put into snakes, and it's monkey brains. Like it's soup with eyeballs. Like, dude, like. It's so fucked. There's very very few people on this planet that have never eaten Indian food. I can guarantee right now, Indian food, I would go out of my way to eat it. Yeah. It's so fucking good, dude. Yeah. What what is this crap? Like, Oh, it's delicious. Like I I said, I think that Spielberg and Lucas are just, they're out of touch. Mm. They're, They're very out of touch, especially around in this time. And also, Lucas and Spielberg were going through bad breakups. Lucas was going through his divorce. Uh, Spielberg had just gotten dumped by his girlfriend. So both of them were very Ooh. pissed off. And so they just kind of channeled that anger into this movie. That's why this film feels very mean-spirited all the time. It just has this seething anger under it does. all of it. Yeah, like, but by the time we get to the end, like the visual imagery of the end with Indiana Jones being like, 
sunburned and sweaty and his clothes torn to pieces and his face is just anguish. And it's like, is this an adventure or a nightmare? Because I right. feel like the point of these movies is adventures and this feels like uh, like like the end of a nightmare. Yeah, there's also the um, the white savior aspect. Yeah, that's it's literally a whole the other... white safe. Yeah, uh, the the I I only want to add uh, like caveat for asterisk sake in that he's very directly called to action by the local people. It's like he didn't insert himself into that situation. He is he's called into action by them. So like the the element is still there, but it's uh, I think maybe a little offset through that in like in all indiana jones adventures like he's never directly called to action except for in this one he's just kind of like begrudgingly thrown into action this is the first one where he like makes the choice to help because he's being asked and that that feels like a backwards 1980s way of not being racist you know what i mean like like maybe they thought about it just a hair and and that's that's all i wanted to to point out i like very very true statement on the uh on the white saviorism but just in general like when you're going to put your white guy around the world in a globe trotter and and the nature of his job is to you know like steal people's history he's gonna look bad all the time you know he just, yeah. he's just gonna look bad yeah i mean you know we have a modern version of it which is nathan drake from the uncharted games yeah it's, it's yeah or well, listen, uh, jesse why don't you you've also mentioned what where they filmed and why they filmed where they filmed that we discovered. Yeah. They, uh, they filmed, they wanted to film part of this in India, but, uh, the Indian government would not permit them to do so because they found the script horribly offensive. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. That should be your first goddamn <laughs> red flag. Je- Jesse, you should have, you should have led with that before I said the thing that I just said. <laughs> Okay, in light of new information, I would like to uh, <laughs> asterisk my asterisk, and um, yeah, Jesus Christ, that's so unfortunate to hear. Like, I, I hope with his with his four billion dollars, he went back and and paved back over some scars that he left in his career. Uh, maybe sure. question mark. I don't know. That's your call to action there, George Lucas. I'm calling you out. You can't be a billionaire and be that shitty. I was about to say, like, that, like, that should have been the first red flag before they even started production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, uh. Yeah. The filmmakers were denied permission to film in North India and Amarfort because the government found the script offensive. Which no is, shit. Like, which is just nuts. <laughs> Again, big, is it the point of doing these movies flag. to show the history of of the regions that they're in? Uh, well, I mean, when your main producer and your director are definitely out of touch with uh, cultural relations around the world, um, I'm pretty sure that they just thought that, yeah, this is kind of cute. It's funny. <laughs> It's a joke that they eat bugs. Really, they're a developed society and they eat bugs, really. Like what I was saying to him is like, even if they did- Meanwhile, George Lucas sleeps on a bed of money. (laughs) They're saying like, even if like, I do know cultures that do partake in bugs, but it's like, usually it is street food and it's like heavily seasoned and spiced and it's like prepared beautifully. 
It's not yeah, just like a, a tub of slop. It's actually prepared beautifully. Like. It, it's all about the presentation, right? Like they're, the movie's trying to inform us that this is gross. That's the, yeah. you know, because like I, I get, uh, use like cricket protein um, the, the exo bars is what they're called because they're just yeah. they're a high they're a high protein source. There's nothing wrong with eating bugs. We are mammals. Like at the end of the day, but it's the way the movie presents it as being disgusting. Like oh, the yeah. movie insists crickets. that it's I've disgusting. I've eaten the seasoned crickets before too. Like their little legs and shit. Like if you put the right seasoning on it, it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. Thank you. No, yeah, and like, and that's, and again, that's a, that's a cultural thing. But there's a way to like present that in a way that's like, oh no, here in this culture, this is normal and not gross. And you can see the the main characters take a bite, and it tastes good. And the and it could be presented like this is just alternative food that may be gross to you in your culture, but would be you know normal here. And the the movie goes to, goes to that at least twice that I can recall to point out how gross the food is. So it's just like a the movie's opinion is that this is disgusting, and it doesn't have to be that way, even no. if you never would personally partake it. Exactly. It could just be, like, a differenting, differential opinions. Like, personally, I find a, some American food kind of meh, disgusting, and, but some? I will... I will no, I'm sorry. Just... I'm sorry. There's shelf-stable meat called Spam. That's not... <laughs> My I, point is shelf me, stable meat. Well, my point is I find that shit disgusting. But exactly. like, let me. It, but I will go to town on some Vietnamese food, and I think that is delicious. <laughs> right. But some people are like, ew, and I'm like, give, fine, give me, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> if you look at some of the slop we eat here in America, oh like, I would gladly take. There's Indian literally, food any day. there's a literal food called sloppy joe <laughs> like right <laughs> yeah yeah you're right. Yeah, we're not even subtle about our food names now <laughs> yeah what's remember have you heard the uh the pat oswald joke about kfc's uh bowls uh, Is it, oh yeah. God. <laughs> can you just can you just like load it into a caulking gun and shoot it directly into my femoral artery even better but until you invent a lunch gun i would like a failure pile in a sadness bowl please <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, I love how God. they tried to market that as healthier because it didn't have bread. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. so much healthier. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like ordering like three McDonald's cheeseburgers and then a diet coke. Like fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, honestly, if if I had to pick between like a big soda at McDonald's and a burger, I'd probably opt for the burger just for the protein. Like at least it's not all sugar dumped on top. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh. Anyways, we're getting Anyways, off topic here. <laughs> the culinary delights of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom uh, should have been presented a little more astutely, I think is our point here, uh, against the film. Um, like, should, it, from a logic standpoint, shouldn't it have been presented as if like this place is like has all this food, it's wonderful, it's like a paradise, and then underneath there's this seeping underbelly to the whole thing? Yeah. Wouldn't that make more sense? Or yeah, because they, they had Indiana Jones show up, and then it's like, oh yeah, these people are barbaric. They're eating monkey brains. Well, like <laughs> what they should, what they should have done is, if they were going to do something like that, show a very lavish banquet when he's sitting down at the meeting, and then all the slave children they would have the mush and the guck and the because yeah. that mm. makes so much more sense because yeah. they get to they get to eat bugs. Yes. Because it's crueler conditions. They don't care. They're just labor instead of what they did. I think that mm. would have made so much more sense. 
Yeah. Oh, the the whole the whole movie um is is terrible at scene geography. That's that's my that's my big point against it. Like at no point are you ever out of just like a spot with a background? You you cannot tell scene wise where things are in connection to each other or like oh yeah. Th- there's no layout for any of this. It's just kind of like oh yeah. yeah, and then this secret passageway, which is I guess on the ground floor, takes them down into the the pit of hell where they sacrifice That's- people with an even deeper pit. Um, that's a that's a Spielberg thing. That's normal. Like that's like comparing the Tyrannosaurus uh, pit in Jurassic Park. At oh yeah, point, that like, geography is awful too. It's solid ground, and then for some some fucking reason, it turns into a cliff. Right? Like, what? What? Where was the fucking T Rex walking? Like, right. Where's all these trees come from? Like, <laughs> yeah, it it doesn't make any sense. He he just wants the moment of like, yeah, we're going into an underground tunnel, and it's mysterious. Just, like, he's I a agree, very, though. He's a very in the moment director. He doesn't look to oh, the yeah. past or the future. He's all in the moment. Looking at you, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> J- like, J.J. Abrams is the new Steven Spielberg with less talent. And more conmanship. At least Spielberg's showing up and, and winning awards is all I'm saying. At least Spielberg's winning award and doing this in earnest. Like, his his philosophy is based around the fact that, like, motion pictures are, are moving images and, and don't specifically need exact geography. That's just something I like in, in my personal taste. You know, that's that's my point against the movie. But fucking Abrams is like just actively rejecting good writing, you know? Just okay, at least yeah. Spielberg did it. Schindler's List. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was it you said that Sp- you said Spielberg's career was started to go downhill after Schindler's List? I firmly disagree, Hope. No, I was saying it was that was the beginning of the end. Like he had other good stuff, but that, I think that was where he was starting to feel the burnout. Like he still had something in the tank, but he that was the beginning of the burnout. I think that was the point where he started to get into television as well. Television, yeah, producing. yeah, because that was so much easier for him. Yeah, remember Sequest? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember Animaniacs. Yeah, there's that. But you know, I I I think that the the time at which Spielberg started to lose it was um uh last thing I really love from him was uh, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, his early 2000s era was cool. Minority Report I liked a lot. Yeah, yeah, but then you get in then War of the Worlds it's like, "Oh, well, no, nope, nope, you goes. lost me." Yeah. It doesn't feel no, like a movie yeah, you'd make. Yeah, no, I, I hope I think Hope's right that that like the downturn decade was ninety three through like two thousand three, and then kind of after with that, the exception it, of Saving Private Ryan. Well, no, Saving Private Ryan's in there. I'm I'm saying like the decline was happening down through Crystal Skull. Oh, oh, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. the the beginning of of the end, and then after Crystal That's Skull. That's what I'm I've, saying. Like it was. Beginning I've been hard end. pressed to give a shit about anything he's put out since then. Um, okay. Did I just say that? Uh, I loved Lincoln. <laughs> what, what am I talking about? I loved Lincoln. Uh, look, I know people that worked on Lincoln, and you know they all enjoyed it. Although there, remember there was this one story about um, they couldn't get the camera crane to work correctly. There was some kind of malfunction with it. And yeah, it was. They were on the middle of the battlefield, um, and it's, it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's there, and all the main actors are there. And Spielberg just very calmly walked onto set, and they weren't ready. They're supposed to be ready like hours ago. He just walked over to the cinematographer and the I think the um, all the technicians just said, This is fucking unacceptable. 
get it fixed and walked away. He had that much power to just say that very calmly and just walk away. Damn. Like, this is another thing about Temple of Doom, which is that he had so much clout at this point that he figured, oh, yeah, shit's going to roll off me pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And then right after this comes out, you know, he gets chastised for all the racism. And then when they started production on the third movie, he said, I wanted to make the film less racist. Good decision. (laughs) Go back to punching Nazis. Yeah. I, I'm good with that one, you know. It's 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 the fascism that needs the punching there, Spielberg. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I. It really paints a negative picture across the movie for 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 these things to to hang heavier than like any of the performances um of of people outside the main you know cast. Like there's no there's no like major standouts. It, it everything kind of gets really heavily painted. Like it, it almost feels like there's a musk on the movie of like you're watching it and you know there's good stuff in here, but like you're just constantly being reminded of of you know bygone eras that were you know unfortunately a lot more acceptable at a certain point, and it it, yeah. it paints all of it poorly. Like it just it really it the whole experience is hurt. If if it could have been. Instead of jokey, more lighthearted, less like angry, like you're saying, it it would have, I think, really helped the whole thing breathe a little bit better. If like this is an adventure and not a nightmare at the end of the day, like right. at the they, end of the day, needed, this is gonna work out. Exactly, they needed to definitely put a lighter tone on the whole thing because it just so many yeah, just bad decisions for for that yeah. for that fun of an opening that like cat and mouse game opening to go from that into oh no let's talk about child slaves and it's like oh god yeah. why why yeah. are we headed well, especially here? the whole like oh the antidote and the in you know the whole kicking kicking the antidote around the whole like place and just like you said cat and mouse like yeah yeah uh that was like that was fun and uplifting and yeah, and just everything just went so dark. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm looking into right here. Um, Douglas Locum's skillful lighting helped disguise the fact that about 80% of the film was shot on a soundstage. That's that goes into your uh, scene geography problem there. So, oh yeah, yeah. It, like this, Raiders, this all feels like a stage movie. Raiders was shot outside. You know, like it, it just yeah. You can't you can't replace that in a studio, especially not in the 80s. No. I think they were just because there was just such a miserable experience making Raiders. Like, everybody got sick. Everyone was Mm -hmm. miserable. Mm -hmm. The production time was so tight. The budget was low. Yeah. Basically, that was Spielberg receiving a spanking for uh, the failure of, uh, was it 1984, whatever the movie was? Mm -hmm. His failed World War II comedy. That was him basically being slapped down, being like, okay, you're not invincible. You can fail, too. And then you go into this one, and they're kind of like, you know what? Let's take it comfortably, and let's film on a stage. <laughs> and it 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 shows, like that Spielberg would, you know, very rarely do this again. And then you look at George Lucas; he went hard in this direction. Like, oh, I can totally do all of this on a stage. Yeah, yep. all against the green screen. Perfect. <laughs> I don't have to go outside. Perfect. I Just what I've been waiting for. Stay in my for. cave. Yes. Just sit in that chair and with your coffee. And then Last Crusade kind of split the difference and did both. And and look how good it turned out. Yeah, the movie looks great. You know, maybe there's one or two cheap locations, but overall it's pretty good. Yeah. You know? 
I think that's actually my favorite. I, I like Raiders a lot, but I do prefer Last Crusade. Oh, I, Last I think, Crusade's phenomenal. Yeah, I, I think I think Raiders is like the better film, but of the of the three, Crusade's my favorite. It's got the daddy issues. Like, of course, it's going to be my favorite. Yeah, no Girl. ticket. <laughs> just one of the best line readings um another big issue that i that i take with this movie as as compared to the others we just pointed out a minute ago the nazis being really good fill-in villains but on top of that they always had a main like head right and that's your villain of the movie and this movie is scrambling to find a villain by the end of it like yeah <laughs> molaram doesn't even show up earlier on in the movie molaram is is so disconnected from indiana jones his adventure it, like the absolute lack of character development happening there for him and then molaram is just off doing his shit and indiana jones gets in the way and that's why they fight and and <laughs> like people complain yeah. about Raiders being the one where like if you take Indiana Jones out everything still happens the same way and it's like okay but at least we got to POV with one of the coolest motherfuckers on earth for a minute right yeah this like, movie's yeah. like oh hey we accidentally ran into each other on an adventure in India and duked it out and you died what <laughs> It's like saying a spy story isn't interesting because the spy doesn't get caught. Well, th that's the point. Right. <laughs> that's the point of it. You're, he's there as an audience POV. Just because, he, even if, just be, and also, I don't agree with that with Raiders. Like, oh, well, they would have found the Ark eventually. No, they were digging in totally the wrong spot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it w if they didn't find the Staff of Ra, if they didn't know where Indiana Jones was digging, they wouldn't have found the thing. Like I mean, 20 years they, later, maybe, but... <laughs> yeah, after the war yeah, after, was over. After the war and Hitler had already killed himself, you know what I mean? A little yeah, far no, gone. He, he, escaped, he escaped to Venezuela, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's getting more and more believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, although I would argue uh, um, uh, having a, a martyr complex for Hitler in the in the back pocket and and using him that way might have been the smartest thing his second in command could have done to keep the Nazism rolling through into today. You, know, you got to have a Jesus Christ in your story somewhere. And for the Nazis <laughs> that's Hitler. <laughs> There's actually something like that in the Star Wars universe. After the emperor dies, it's a Operation Cinder. They start just blowing up planets just as like a last resort like fuck them, just kill everybody. It's awesome. Can, can you imagine? Uh, is it is it the Yog Zavah that come in later um, with their like planet ships and just them rolling up to that universe and being like, yep. "What the fuck happened here?" Oh god. Yeah, yeah. That's the other alien force. It's just kind of like, the "Fuck's going on?" It's like we don't. We what don't. The hell, need have you guys been doing? Because like, we you, don't need to do anything. Y'all fucked up on your own. <laughs> and, and honestly, that that's kind of, that sounds like a really good finale for like all of Star Wars. Is just Operation Cinder happens at some point in the future, and the Force is left there, right? But the Yogg Zavah can't sense the Force; they're immune to it. So it's just mm. the Force being alone in the universe, screaming out in all of its midi. Chlorians. That's kind of a dark take to end Star Wars, but you know, anything's better after nine. Yeah. Uh. So, Hope, how about you? What What's your biggest uh, contention point with this movie, uh, 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 apart from the abject racism? Um, let's. You said the pacing's bad. The pacing was bad. Like it, the the pacing was a big deal to me because you. 
it's all over the place. Even though it's one of the shorter films, it it feels so dragged out in parts, yeah. and then like super fast here. And I was like, oh, that was a quick scene, but it really wasn't. And then it, it was like, mm. super long when it wasn't. Just um, like the whole scene where there's the sexual tension between that just did Indiana not Jones and need Willis. to be yeah. there. Yeah, like Indiana Jones would have just jumped on her. Right away. That that is that is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, just for indulging in that tonal dance of sexual tension and life and death tension with him killing yeah. that guy. Like he literally oh, hangs yeah. a man <laughs> while he's trying yeah. to woo a woman. Like I, uh, the visualization of of sex and death merging. Just that is that's that's cinema to me, baby. <laughs> It's 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 needless. It's absolutely needless. But it's like, oh yeah, hmm. it's it, like the scene is fun, but you totally didn't need it there. Absolutely, um, yeah. Especially I all think, they needed to do was find the tunnel. That's it. Well, and and another thing too, like he could he detested this woman. He couldn't stand this woman. But now all of a sudden, well, my penis is hard. I guess we gotta go. <laughs> like, really, it comes like, down to he had a shower, so that he he was yeah. he, he felt clean enough to go for it. Yeah, exactly. What the, days in one the jungle, I, gross. One thing I wish the movie had was it, everybody uh, agrees Willie Scott's irritating. Why is it that Indiana Jones and Short Round aren't constantly going, Willie, shut up? Right. <laughs> Like it just a running gag like that in the movie would acknowledge like oh the characters in the in the movie yes they know she's annoying that would make it more tolerable because they're like then yeah that we would upset hate her, her too because that would upset her and we can't upset her because what? it's it would she go on to be Spielberg's wife what what is it with inserting these characters into Lucas's shit where it's like I just I need one annoying character but we can't point out that they're annoying. He puts it in uh, everything. Like C three PO, Jar Jar Binks, Willie. They are they are all the same character type. <laughs> maybe maybe he's like projecting himself into the films, and that's how he's doing. It, and that's how you get away with it. Speaking of the editing, here's the here's the quote from Spielberg. After I showed the film to George at an hour and fifty five minutes, we looked at each other. The first thing we said was, too fast. We need to decelerate the action. I did a few more matte shots to slow it down. We made a little bit slower by putting breathing room back in there so there'd be a two-hour oxygen supply for the audience. Mm. Uh, Please don't edit your own movie, Spielberg. (laughs) Please don't. It's not your job. They they did kind of subsist on the... um the the repeated motion cuts i saw that happen a lot where like they didn't cut on motion the kid fell into indy's arms and then they cut and he was still falling into indy's arms uh, yeah. yeah there's a there's a lot of that kind of stuff and it's like it, it well, just looks sloppy at the end of the day to, that all leads to the pacing like it it threw the pacing off because of it yeah. cuz you're like wait wait i thought we yeah. were wait what it, like it was like constant double takes for for the audience i feel mm mhm Honestly, I'd like to see. I there there probably is a nice fast cut ninety minute version of this. Yeah, it probably exists on fanad.org. 
I mean, I don't go there too often. I'm, pre- I'm sure there's a cut of it, though. Yeah. There's a lot you could cut from this movie. Oh, there's absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, there's big chunks of the dinner sequence that don't need to be in there. Like, it's it's bits. That's A lot of it is, like, stuff that I can imagine they were coming up with on set at once they had, you know, the costumes and the locations and stuff put together. It's like, oh, we got to do this bit. We got to do that bit. And, and when... Y- when there's like eight bits between every informational piece of story, it just makes things kind of drag and run and drag and run. And it's, it, it, it's weird. Like you don't need as many bits. Yeah. It, it like it start it starts to feel a little SNL like at times, you know what I mean? Where there's like, all right. So we, the, and I then, mean, Dan Aykroyd wasn't it. Oh no, that's right. <laughs> I think this is around the time that uh, he was still married to Carrie Fisher, which explains why he's here. Oh, interesting. So, I, 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 I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I think a big fix for this, and I'm, this is gonna sound like sacrilege. I would cut all of Club Obi Wan. Ooh, I would cut all of it, and I'd just start on the car chase. Just have them running away. Like that's a great way to start. Yeah, yeah, like them exiting, looking that. at the uh, them exiting with the gem. You you have exactly as much information as you do from the yeah. from the beginning for story reasons, anyways. Because nothing changes, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, they don't like- even get the di- they don't even get the diamonds. They get nothing right by the end of that. I just want to know mm. where he found short round. And why he has a little child with him? Short round origin story. That's what I mean, that's what they needed. They needed an origin story. <laughs> this is one of those movies. Back to the Future falls into this as well. Mm. You could never produce this today because you'd see like, oh, an old man hanging around with a kid. Um, they covered that in the boys. They <laughs> right. covered it in the boys. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, it, it makes sense. It, it's it's fun and quirky in in Indiana Jones in the eighties when everything is like safe and genuine or, or meant to be. I guess um, it, it gets a little more questionable the more you think about it. Yeah, I mean, there is that whole thing in the first uh, film in Raiders. It, apparently, Indiana slept with Marion, and she was like fifteen. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah. It, it, There's a. It was a very troublesome interview about uh, when uh, I think it was Spielberg, Kazan, and Lucas were, were, were recording, were, were working behind the scenes, and they somebody transcribed what they were saying. And I think it was Spielberg that said, eh, "No, no, she was seventeen. She's like, yeah, hey, seventeen. She's close enough." Mm. One of them said that, and I'm like, mm. "Gross." Okay. On that note. <laughs> Uh, thank God. That's one thing I'll say about Willie Scott's positive. At least she's a fucking adult. Right. Yeah. She doesn't behave like one. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any it, what, l- closing thoughts on, uh, on Temple of Doom? It, you know, it, it was gonna, it was always gonna be on Film Rescue. It, come on. It was always gonna be here, right? Like, it was gonna end up here eventually. It's, it's, like I said, there's people that outright hate this movie like, i get it spielberg hates it lucas hates it like it feels like a black it, eye like you know yeah harrison ford doesn't like this movie even though later on he would say oh no it was a it's a it was a great experience like there's a difference being between <laughs> no there's a difference between saying it's a great movie and a great experience right yeah that that's, that, that's his loophole <laughs> yeah it's it's true it's true yeah yeah 
Yeah. I if if the fifth one is decent, fine. Wrap it up. Never come back to this series ever again. Honestly, I like five is already way too many for this character. Like this, like if you want a good analysis of this character, go watch the Planket review from Red Letter Media. Like it goes into the reasons why this character is completely unrealistic and not complicated at all, right? And why he has to be young. Yeah. Like, I don't need like you. You can only Logan your story so many times. <laughs> Look, I still like, like to believe that this is just Han's dreams and Carbonite. I just that's <laughs> right. That's just me. I'll take it. Sure. That's that's why R two D two and C three PO get inserted into the hieroglyphs. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, was, we were wondering was that the was that Raiders or was that Last Crusade? Raiders. Yeah, it is Raiders. Yeah, because they're so, in Egypt reading yeah. hier- hieroglyphs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think it's time for a pitch. Uh, we're gonna take a short break, and when we return, I have a, an Indiana Jones movie, and it uh, it's not racist. I can, I can give crap. you that thumbs up. <laughs> oh, already earned five five positive points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to tell you guys about this when we get back. Hey, Seth here with Jaguar Sharks. I just want to call out some of our other shows that you can check out. I appreciate you listening to this episode. If movies and things about them is something that you're really into, I highly recommend checking out one of our other shows, Split the Difference, where Jesse Fresco takes a movie and its remake and compares them to see how they've aged across time, what was changed in the reinterpretation. It's just kind of a breakdown of our current reboot culture and hope also has a show called mind brain movies where we talk about movies in the relation to psychology and mental health how movies inform our culture and how we talk about mental health and things of that nature i highly recommend checking both of those out you can subscribe to both of those as well as this podcast on the jaguar sharks podcast network you can check that out. Just type in Jaguar Sharks onto any podcast network and you'll be taking any of those shows. Again, that was Film Rescue, which you're listening to, Split the Difference, and Mind Brain Movies. We also have two whatever's way up on our Patreon, which is our review show where we uh, talk about the things that are current in streaming, in theaters, and sometimes even in video games where we just kind of break down the the most recent stuff that we've been into. You can check that out on our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Media. We're really excited for you guys to hear these episodes and hear what we're all about. I can't wait to talk to you online. You can follow our social medias at Jaguar Sharks YT and our YouTube channel as well, just called Jaguar Sharks. Thanks for listening, and here is the rest of the day. Welcome back to the show. We're here to fix Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and I gotta come clean to you guys. Yeah. So I I don't as much have a fix for this as I have another Indiana Jones movie for you guys. Okay. All right. So, so here's here's my major fix, uh, proper just to just to adhere to my my own show guidelines. The fix proper for Temple of Doom is to do a short round adventure that is not this one. Okay. Is it an origin story? <laughs> uh, do his origin story. Yeah, absolutely. I just like. All, all I need for my pitch is for there to be a third Indiana Jones movie in which Short, Short Round was introduced and beloved as he was. That's all I need. That's going to be my launching point. Because, like, 
again, as we discussed, launching from from the Obi-Wan is not a good starting place because it's not connected to the rest of the adventure, really. It's kind of cuttable yeah. from the movie itself. So, like, that's not really a great starting place, but it's closer to what I want to do. And then from there on, like, it, it's it's a it's a story about saving child slaves, and I'm not sure if I want my Indiana Jones character to play there. Um, I, I, it also gets you out of the white savior stuff, even if it is indirect. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, it removes that entirely. Yeah, <laughs> get, get, gets us away from that. Um, wh- whatever, whatever adventure you want to imagine is the short round uh, launching pad. I'm, I'm sure we will pitch other things along that line uh, in the next next segment here, but. All I need is for there to have been a Temple of Doom like movie, like like Hope was saying, you know, in the documentary about uh, uh, okay. K Juan's life, he just right. needs to have been in an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my pitch, he still got to prep for everything, everywhere, all at once. Exactly, He's still got to prep for exactly. It. Um, so, so my pitch is basically. If if I was called in to do an Indiana Jones five, if I was a James Mangold, I said earlier I think he's doing a Logan. Uh, if it was me, I would do a Force Awakens. You're fired. I know, I know, but but <laughs> but, but but hold out with me here. Um, All right. Here's here's the issue, and and we also touched on this a little bit before too. Harrison Ford is eighty fucking years old. I know, yeah. dude. And you smoke too much weed. Stop. I I <laughs> There's no such thing as too much. I Indiana Jones <laughs> is is 80 years old. Just there's no way to get around that and de-aging him to I don't know what 60. Uh, uh, is that better? Do you really think our audience is going to care if he's 60 or 80? He's old. Oh, he's supposed to go young in the 5th movie. They're supposed to de-age him back to like being and, and and they're going to have to de-age... It's going to look like the Irishman where it's all just CGI plastered over his face. Well, they're going to have to de-age his old man body language. You know what I mean? Like that's it's a whole it's a whole thing that has to be done to make him that young. So my thought is you got to bring in the next generation and if you're going to do that it, it has to be short round. Like there's no question who should mm-hmm. take up Indiana Jones mantle. They introduced the character yeah. already. It's short round. They they tried to do that with the fourth movie where Shia LaBeouf picks up the the hat and then he grabs it and he's like ah, not on your life. Kid. Well, and yeah. like oh, you had a chance. And yeah. then nope. You blew it. Yeah, and they and and thankful that they did that too because I don't know if I if Shia LaBeouf was the one to write this ship. I don't think he was the correct uh Character choice. But Kihoi Kwan is the cur- as we have learned. No, yeah. <laughs> he is yes. absolutely. Yes. Um yeah, so no no recast needed and and we're going with them at the ages that they are. Indiana Jones the, yeah. my my story is set in 1985. Indiana Jones is 85 years old. Because and this is going to be a, just a mind splitter for the audience. He's an archaeologist, so he's going to be doing archaeology. Uh that's what old men archaeologists Holy do. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Holy he's not a grave robber. Exa- he is not a grave robber. Exactly. He he's an old man. He's a he's a he's leaned into being a professor. He's full professor, and he does archaeological digs. That is going to be our Indiana Jones. He's a side character now, guys. Like that's 
where he that's where your old man goes that that was the whole point of Sean Connery's character in the third one was to point out like Sean Connery's character used to be a badass like Indiana Jones kind of you know yeah. like 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 the the passing of the torch thing is is part of the series so right yeah. There's also an episode of Young Indiana Jones where old Indiana Jones shows up and he's like walk around with he's all surly with a cane exactly. and I'm like, well, that's out of canon now. Nope that's that's <laughs> the, that's what I'm doing to Harrison Ford. He's going to look exactly like the Young Indiana Jones version. Ah, okay, okay, yeah, perfect. yeah. He's just an old professor go. now. That he's it, uh, eye patch and everything. I keep an eye patch too. I thought that was cool <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> How do you lose his eye? It's a long story. It's a whole, other, let me tell you about it. whole other movie. Um, so uh. so here's, here's the story that I want to run with. Um, we open, like any other Indiana Jones film, on a separate adventure. And Short Round is on his own adventure now. He's, and he, he is, you know, uh, 50 years old. He's, he's a, a man. Like, he's a full-grown man. He's had a family. He's had kids. Like, he's, he's done the whole thing, and he... He is his character from everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> not exactly, actually. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so, Damn so, close. So this is, what, this, this is what we're being presented. And we're being presented this through a poker game that he's at with a bunch of military guys. Because uh, I wanted to copy the, the kind of the setup of the Obi-Wan, that like back and forth kind of thing. And as we're presented this really like suave, posh guy, we come to find out that all of this is an act and he's a con man. He's just a straight up con artist now, and he's on the um, Chinese Mongolian border uh, during a border dispute that was happening back in the eighties. Everything from my from my pitch uh, has like historical reference for nineteen eighty five. So he's at, he's at this uh, skirmish, and basically he has fucked the general's daughter and stolen some kind of valuable and he's trying to like clear out these guards that he's been working with like we find out he's had this whole adventure you know uh, previous to this and and basically he's trying to get out of this situation so we can open on a big opening you know kind of action sequence it's kind of like a hacksaw ridge setup where he's up high on like a cliff face and he's gonna have to like descend down as people are coming up after him so we get to do like a big high wire act you know I I'm, I'm action adventure movie, guys. We're having an action adventure movie. Yes, an adventure movie, not a miserable nightmare. Exactly. So, so we 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 now we, we you know across this opening find out that short round uh, kind of got abandoned by Indiana Jones, right? Like he he left mm. the country and he did not adopt short round. Um, he he left you know short round off with uh with family and it totally dis- disillusioned him but he had he had functionally taken on this whole personality so he became a grave robber and a con man he just kind of picked up the the roguish stuff from Indiana Jones and none of the like good qualities that we've learned about him right um, and yeah. he's been without a father figure this whole time. So our main character's uh, like push through this story is the fact that he has lived without Indiana Jones all this time. Um, and then a, he gets a letter um, stating that uh, Indiana Jones has gone missing. And so that's his launch into the action. So this is our, our launch into the movie proper. We end up in Samoa, which uh, in 1985 had just gained its independence. And there was an archaeological dig happening there in real life. So that's where Indiana Jones was last. Uh, okay. And we have, we have Short Round showing up there. 
um, basically kind of like trying to scope out the situation. He runs into these like really shady uh, like cult figures for a second as he's trying to track down what happened to Indiana Jones. We get kind of our our first little action sequence beat as he uh, gets followed throughout Samoa um, trying to track down Indiana Jones, who he eventually is able to track down. And Indiana Jones reveals what he's been up to, which is archaeology. Uh, he's just been on digs. Uh, he kind of retired after a while. He got into digs, and and that's been his whole thing. He's joined by a male assistant, a young professor uh, in training that's coming up underneath of him in the archaeology uh, program. Um, think I, I don't know who to cast for this role. Um, that I wrote it as if a young Jack Black was filling the role. Uh, so okay. the, the the character type is basically um, Theodore Roosevelt, but like as he was transitioning from asthmatic teenager into badass, uh, you know, Bronco riding president. Like, what if what if you caught him in the middle of that metamorphosis? <laughs> this is Indiana Jones' new um, new uh, subordinate, and when we who's who was that guy from Varsity Blues, and he was on My Name Is Earl. Who was that dude? He used to be really overweight. Oh, now he's like, Ethan oh, Suplee. Ethan Suplee. Yeah, 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 was, yeah him. There yeah, you go, that yeah, guy. that the exact kind of but, but uh, intellectual. Like he he's very smart, smart as a whip, but he's kind of meek, but he's big and he's built, and like you know he's 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 mm. trouble to fight. Um, so in this in this first inter- uh, interaction, we get a lot of like backloaded shit from Short Round, who's been mad at Indiana Jones all of these years for leaving him behind, and then we come to find out Indiana Jones has also changed across this time, and he's softened a lot, and now he's like a, a good father figure to his uh, assistant, who I've named Will. Uh, so so <laughs> okay. he, he's a good father figure to Will. And short round, thinking he was going to get his Indiana Jones team up, now has to deal with the fact that Indiana Jones could have been a good dad to him this whole time. And but he just took. But he off. just took. Yeah. So he's a he's a de- he's a deadbeat dad. So he's a yeah. totally fits with his young deadbeat character. dad yeah. that turned over a new leaf, right? And and. And Indiana Jones knows this too. He's emotionally matured. And so he wants to rectify this by being a good dad to short round. And short round wants that, but he he has to reject it because he didn't get it this time. Like he doesn't get the the emotional payoff of being angry at his dad, right? So the whole the whole story is about dealing with the anger of toxic masculinity, like being introduced into a system that you didn't ask to be put into and really kind of fucking hating it and getting let down by the people that could have helped you and then finding out that they might help you still, but what does that do to you as a person if this is what your whole personality is built around? It's 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 for young men that are going to have a hard time with Indiana Jones not being the center lead anymore. I'm trying to olive branch to the incels perfect right okay okay yeah yeah so so the the adventure kind of launches in proper from there we find out that indiana jones is trying to track down the temple of the blue demons this is an actual historical site that you can visit irl in italy um, I'm not, obviously not going for the full historical version because this is Indiana Jones and shit always gets trippy at the end. But we're we're going with with that kind of historical context because I, I that's some of the funnest stuff in Indiana Jones for me is like thinking about what was happening in the world 
at the time that he's doing his adventures, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we we come to find out that Indiana Jones is trying to find the Temple of the Blue Demon. So he's going on this archaeological, you know, like a, an actual archaeological dig and find of a mystery. We have Short Round gets introduced into this. He's our gun-toting, you know, kind of protagonist character. We've got Will, who's like a really fun, like kind of jokey side character. So we have a really Spielbergian setup for a movie. Um, what is the bad guy, though, and, and the big fix from Temple of Doom is introducing a legitimate threat to our heroes. So mm-hmm. in, in addition to doubling down on this whole incel thing, the villains are a group of Christian cult members. Oh gosh! And they've uncovered the truth of the Bible, which is that um, the the Christians are the bad guys, and the pan worshippers were the were the actual good guys in the story. And so they're they're a cult to pan, but via Catholicism, basically. Um, and and they're looking for the Temple of the Blue Demon because it's it's uh, rumored that the that's the final resting place of Pan, the like the actual god. And so they're they're looking for him so they can resurrect him. And they figured out that if they just leave Indiana Jones alone, he's going to just find the, the temple for them. They're just like tracking along behind him and doing these seances on the on the dig sites after the archaeologists have left. So Indiana Jones is totally unaware of the villain uh, that he's been leading along this whole time. And it's just because short rounds run into them at the beginning that he's even aware that they're around. Um, this eventually takes us to Cambodia, where we hit the middle of the movie, which in every Indiana Jones movie is just kind of like the cloak and dagger stuff. That's really fun and easy to do. I said it in Cambodia because they were going through a civil war at the time, and that's like a mm-hmm. really great place to get lost in a crowd. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we and we have Indiana Jones, Will, and Short Round kind of dealing with their interpersonal stuff. They're all trying to figure this out in their own way when they get to Cambodia, so we have the team split, and then they're they're all dealing with the cult in their own different ways. I kind of wanted to do the um, uh, Last Crusade thing where they get chased through the undergrounds of Venice, you know what I mean? That that kind of like, I don't know who these bad guys are, but like I know they're the, I think they're the bad guys, like that kind of driving adventure feel through the middle. Um, they have guns. Run away from yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking, like, in, in Cambodia at the time, like, there was a lot of factory work happening. So, like, we could have a big, like, factory action sequence where all the, the leads, you know, kind of uh, uh, merge in on the same clue. Maybe this is the setting of the, uh, of the actual, like, Ark of the Covenant thing. I know they tried to do that in Crystal Skull, but I think it'd be more fun if there was, like, a real... Like like there's like a fake one in Area 51 and then a real <laughs> a real one where where like things are not kept well. It's just like really unkempt and it's like oh yeah the American government just like abandoned all their shit here <laughs> a while back or you know so, so, something like that. So you can have we're like a fun pick it up eventually. <laughs> yeah yeah you can you have fun jabs at the government and things like that. Um and and so where where I want this to end up is at the tomb of the Blue Demon which is in Italy and uh along these digs they've been finding um pieces of a pan flute and when the pieces are like reconstructed together into into a like full flute and then played uh there's like i wanted to play around with the idea that um ancient uh stone movers use like harmonics and um uh trumpets to move heavy objects there's this there's this running 
uh, kind of scientific theory that that's how you move big stones is with vibration actually, and you can you could contour sh- large shells to make enough vibration that you could slowly move more heavy objects. Basically, kind of it's like anti gravity, but it's not really. But you know, I wanted to play. I, I Indiana Jones has to play in those like weird spaces, right? Right. Yeah. yeah so so I, I mean, it you you get a little leeway with the mystical. Yeah. Stuff. It's not. Not aliens. Exactly, yeah. Like, I, I, want, I want it to all to be, like, just enough to raise an eyebrow at, but, like, nobody's questioning why there's a buzzsaw inside of a temple in Last Crusade, right? But, right, right. But there's yeah. a big metal buzzsaw in there, and so, like, I, I'm kind of leaning into that when we get to the final act here. Like, this is maybe a little uh, heightened uh, kind of stuff. So, anyways, the pan flute um, works in tandem with this series of tubes uh, of lava tubes of a extinct volcano that's underneath of Italy. And so the the lava tubing when you play the pan flute into them vibrates these uh tomb doors open. If you look up the pictures for the Temple of the Blue Demons, it's just a small little room. Like that's all tombs were really back then. So it's, it's just a tiny little room. And I wanted to do the national treasure thing where they get to that room and it's anticlimactic and then they play the pan flute in there and you see like the floor opens up and there's a whole like uh, inactive volcano underneath of that like you get a whole sequence out of it right mm-hmm. um, so th- they go down in- into the into the tomb they find like a, a, a large skeleton with a ram's head uh, attached to it um, to like maybe imply that Pan was maybe some kind of mutant or or maybe uh, a, a made up thing that they just added a skull to to like you know keep the story <laughs> going uh, keep it ambiguous just really fucking ambiguous I'm not here to answer any questions I'm here to have an Indiana Jones story where he has dad resolution with short round um, fair enough, well that's also fair the point enough. of archaeology we don't get all the answers exactly yeah. exactly you're you're still, thousands of years ago I was about ago. to say you're yeah. still excavating you're still learning you're still you know right and and I want so the the character stuff that's happening here when when they end up in Cambodia, I'm imagining they get captured because obviously your heroes have to get captured at a certain point. Um, so they get captured and taken to Italy once Indiana Jones tells them that's where they're headed next. Um, and and at that point, Short Round and Indiana Jones are like in opposition to each other as we're entering the third act because we want them to find resolution through the fight. I want them to be fighting the cult and each other. Uh, but each other emotionally and then the cult physically, right? Because like obvious mo- metaphor is obvious and it's as they're yeah. as they're helping each other through the fight, they're verbally like helping each other through the emotions so that by the time we get to the end and you have the big like, you know, villain takes over the situation and, and you know, the, the big finale, they've resolved to each other and, and now we get a, like the rest of the finale is Indiana Jones and Short Round are back in action and they've resolved their trauma and, and that's how you, you just do a regular finale from there. The, the vibrations um, activate the, the volcano a little bit so you have an active volcano situation to escape from. Like this shit writes itself from here. You know exactly what Indiana Jones volcano yeah. ending number one looks like. Yeah, like, like we said, these films all follow the exact same beats, the exact same structure. They just change out Location. characters and words. Right. Yeah. Location. Right. It's... it's it's just slap a different coat of paint on exactly. it. It's all exactly. It it's, it's just the same structure. So then um, our, our finale is, uh, you know, kind of right off into the sunset finale where now we have Will kind of set up as the, um, oh, what was the character from Raiders and uh, Last Crusade? His his buddy from Egypt. Um, 
Um, Sala. So, so Will is like our new Sala. We have Short Round as our new Indiana Jones. If you wanted to do another adventure, you know what I mean? Like you have the option, but also Short Round's old enough that he could take the side seat for the next one and you could just keep passing the mantle every single movie after that. So there's a new Indiana Jones every time we get a new movie. True. Okay. Yeah. And okay. also, if you want, if you could, you could still get Last Crusade. Just do it as a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. Last Crusade still, still totally functions in the in the timeline here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- that's one thing I, I I forgot to bring that up. The uh, problems with uh, this film being a prequel. Oh yeah. Um. There's a there's a little moment where Indiana Jones uh, is being held at knife point or sword point by two guys with knives or with uh, swords, and he kind of casually smiles and reaches for his gun like, oh, yeah, I got this. Like, look, referencing the last yeah. movie. But it's like, well, this is a prequel. This hasn't happened yet. Why is he so smug? Oh, okay, yeah. His smug is retroactively connected to the fact that he pulled off the move in Raiders. But Raiders takes place a year Okay, after. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I follow. And also... And also, he's in the beginning of Raiders. He's like, I don't believe in any of that superstitious mumbo jumbo. I was like, dude, you literally just watched a rock bring back power to a village, and a guy got his heart ripped out of his chest. <laughs> right. Like, you've seen this shit. Right. And that, yeah, that's the it, other thing I wanted to play with here, too, is like when they get into the cave, it like everything's thrown into question, but it doesn't matter. Indiana Jones always walks away from these things being like, yeah, I don't fucking believe in anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see that as a character trait in him that is it like he just kind of understands that if there are a bunch of gods out there they're as bullshit as the humans are and so he's so unbothered he's just I guess there's magic you know I mean he does find the fucking holy grail right so, yeah know. that's what I'm saying but but yeah. yeah it's a it's it's an Indiana Jones adventure with uh the core theme being resolving uh you know kind of uh, patriarchal trauma. Uh, I thought that would be a really fun, fun thing to play around with. You, I, I think having moments in a movie like that that I'm, a, I'm from a business end. I'm thinking like the people that are going to go see Indiana Jones are going to be the us, right? Like those of us that yeah. grew up watching this shit in the '90s. That that you know our our dads were into this proper when it was coming out. Our kids uh, could get introduced to this at, at a certain point, but like it's kind of for us, and I feel like our generation would respond really well to a movie where Indiana Jones, as a dad character, goes, I'm really proud of you for surviving. I'm really proud of you for making it on your own, even though I wasn't there for you. Just just to hear those words like said by Indiana Jones to Short Round, but you know, Short Round's us. Like He exists in Temple of Doom to be our POV, like, oh yeah, I'm I'm a little kid that loves America watching this movie. Like Short Round is us. So I, I thought it would be a really fun way to introduce a theme like that. I think it's better than yeah, it's, it's better than, you know, child slavery in yeah. this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Avoided all of that. Avoided all of that. <laughs> Thank you. For for the cult, I, I initially thought of doing like a like a trio of leaders um, you know, something like the Bene Gesserit or, or something along those lines where you can have like multiple multiple villains in that position, but you know, they have a lot of followers underneath of them. Um, but like I, I didn't la- casting these things is like Harrison Ford has to be Indiana Jones, and if he's Indiana Jones, then Kei Hu Kwan needs to be short round. And so like we the, right. the the rest of the casting, I'm not sure who who you want to put in there from from there. I would turn that one over to the audience. Like who would you want to see play a over the top 
cult leader in an Indiana Jones movie. Like that could be uh, Jared Leto. So that way you can get the shit <laughs> out of him again. A reunion from Blade Runner 2049. Um, there you ooh, go. Ryan Gosling is a villain in an Indiana Jones movie. Just to spin that on its head. Yeah, I'll take it. Because uh, you announced that casting first. You're like, Ryan Gosling in talks for Indiana Jones 5. <gasps> what? And then he's the yeah, fucking villain. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. Just totally throw everybody off. Yeah. Uh, what about the kid from Funny Games? I'd love to see him go out as a villain again. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that uh, I can't think of his name. Can't remember his name. He would. He would be. I know, I know he, who you're talking. He'd about. be a lot. Of, he could just speak his uh, uh, um, home language too. You know what I mean? Like just subtitle the motherfucker. That I think it'd be really f- a fun throwback to like that era of you know multiple languages being sp- the the fifties. I'm talking about where like you know people would speak different languages on set and then they dub them in later. Um, yeah. It'd be funny if he never spoke English yeah. at all, and Indiana Jones kind of like, look, I'm an archaeologist, but I'm not a linguist. <laughs> right. I don't speak your goddamn language. Right. And then and then you could have like um, Short Round begrudgingly translating while he's still mad at Indiana Jones and using it to like make <laughs> digs at him and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Be like, yeah, I actually learned some shit indie, unlike you. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I think it would be so fun to to let him uh, play that that role again, but just totally re realized into something that for his acting chops. Like after everything, everywhere we all really know how Kihoi is able oh, yeah. to act. Like giving him a role like that. That's like I'm sorry for abandoning you on a meta textual level. It also just plays really, really well for me. I don't know about mm-hmm. you guys, but just like No, I yeah. dig it. I dig it. Sorry to have a like where is this where has this acting been for the last forty like, years? Damn, yeah, exactly. Man. Exactly. Um or or even even back the other way is an apology to him, you know, for like him not being able to get into roles, not being able to be pe- cast as a as an Asian lead and stuff. That was his big complaint. <laughs> Maybe it works that I'm sorry we abandoned you. Yeah, because he's basically playing the same character in Goonies. Data is the same character as Short Round. It's the same yeah, guy. Yeah, it's just it's just like got this sort of like uh, Mission Impossible thing attached to him, where he's like an inventor, but all of his inventions are terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. Sounds good. That that's my Indiana Jones pitch. Indiana and Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Blue Demon. Man, that just sounds like a title, doesn't it? Oh, I dig it. I I totally dig it. Yeah. yeah uh, what was the one that was really stupid for the fourth one? Was uh, Indiana Jones and the Attack of the Giant Ants? Oh, God. And they still found a way <laughs> to put that in the fucking movie, didn't they? Mm. Uh, well, it was like it was the army ants. It was the giant that, swarms that, of ants. They, but like, they eat the Russian soldier that, alive. That's how those kind of script turnovers go, right? Where there's like the, the producer notes are, but you got to keep this aspect. And so then it becomes a challenge, and it's like, dude, just throw out the whole thing. If if giant ants didn't work, what makes you think fire ants is a good substitute? Like that looked goofy as shit. Yeah, it's all CGI. It's all green screen. It's, it's terribly just, lit. Yeah. This has been our review of Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that uh, the writer David Kep came out recently and said putting aliens in the movie was a mistake? No shit. <laughs> I tried to convince Steven to say no. It's like, somebody needs to tell Lucas no. Who's pulling the strings? Is it you, Kathleen Kennedy? I saw your name at the beginning of this movie. Uh, 
this. I think this is back when Frank Marshall was doing a lot of the uh, main work, and Kathleen was there. It's kind of uh, beside him, I think. Uh, eventually, once Frank Marshall passed away, uh, Kathleen Kennedy took over. It's just, it's so funny to see her name and stuff like that, which you know you would have seen that in the '80s, and then knowing like, oh yeah, here we are up in 2022, and she runs like all of Star Wars. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. For better or worse, she runs all of Star Wars. Right. Yeah, I mean, she's doing fine. You know, Obi-Wan was fine. Yeah. Well, that's my pitch. Um, I appreciate you guys uh, listening to it. I'm I'm just, I'm hankering for a new action-adventure movie. I just, I, I feel like mm-hmm. we've kind of lost this genre, and I would love to see it come back more. Moon Knight kind of brought it back just a hair, you know. Yeah, well, but- there was the Uncharted movie. It's not the worst thing ever. Yeah, that feels like salt in the wound, Jesse. That really just feels like salt in the wound. It is very. It's a very passable film. It's. It's. That's the best you're gonna get. I'm not gonna lie. The the helicopter boat like finale sequence on paper, great idea. Like that is a very very cool visual sequence on paper. It looks like shit in the movie. Oh yeah, the the compositing and the green screen is bad. It, it, oh, it, it, it looks like a super like, it looks like a video game cutscene that they impose the, the people into at times it's like yeah when we said adapt the video game we didn't mean make a cutscene from the game I, I, need, I need a button in the audience so I can do the quick time events if you're going to do this to me <laughs> oh gosh yeah they, it is what it is guys it's true yeah. well I think that's going to do it for this episode uh, this has been us chatting about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom you can check out this show and the rest of our shows at Montressor Media or at Jaguar Sharks, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Uh, Jesse, thank you for being here. Of course. Th- Hope, thank you so much for your thoughts. Anytime I can talk about Key Wan Hu, then, you know, it's <laughs> a good time. Exactly. And I've been your Pitchmaster General, Seth, saying thank you and good night. Bye. Bye.